This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. Working in children's ministry, there's a couple of things that I like to do to help hopefully make things stick with students. One is stories. I love to tell stories. And if anybody's known me for very long, they know I like to tell long, elaborate stories with lots of sidetracks that kind of get pulled back in to give you inside information or outside information so the story makes more sense. So we're going to be doing some story today. Um, And then I also like visuals. I like to have something that helps uh, me remember the thing that we've been talking about. And so we're going to be doing some images um, from some books called Habitudes by Dr. Tim Elmore. These images are geared towards helping emerging leaders and adults learn leadership skills and maturity and that sort of thing. But we're going to adapt them to our story today. So our story is about Ruth. And our story actually doesn't start with Ruth. It starts with a man named Elimelech and his wife, Naomi. They are living in Bethlehem. And in this time, there's a severe famine and life is getting tough and they've got to make the tough choice. Do we stay here? Or do we move somewhere else? Do we leave behind family and support and everything we've ever known? Or do we stay? And so they make the tough choice to go to Moab. And while they're in Moab, life happens. The the sons, their two sons marry Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other one named Ruth. But over the course of time, things stop going so well in Moab. We see where Elimelech dies and then both sons die. And we see a story of of where Naomi is now in a foreign land, not with her people, not with her family, and she's got two daughter-in-laws that are now relying on her. And this is a tough situation to be in because in this time period, it was up to the sons to care for their mom when when their dad died, and she has no sons to care for her. Ruth doesn't have a brother-in-law to help care for her. Orpah doesn't have a brother-in-law to help care for her. They are stuck in a situation where they, they have no support system, nobody to care for them. Things are looking pretty bleak and pretty dark. And so Naomi approaches her daughters-in-law and she says, here's the plan. I want you guys to go back home to your families so your families can care for you. You're still young. You can still have husbands. You can still have children. You can still have a future. Go home and be with your families. Let them take care of you so you have a better future. Orpha hears the plan and says, that sounds like a good idea. And she goes back home. But we see in Ruth chapter one, verse 16, Ruth's response to Naomi. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Ruth is going to go leave behind family and support system and the life, the only life she's ever known to go back to Bethlehem with Naomi. This would have been a tough choice, right? To go into the unknown, to go into the uncertain, to already go from a place where nobody's there to care for you to going to another place where somebody may not care for you, to leave that all behind. I can imagine that for Naomi, things were tough too, right? When she left Bethlehem, she had a husband and two sons and they were going to a better opportunity. And now she's coming back with a daughter-in-law 
and no husband and no sons would have been humbling. She would have been fearful of the unknown, what was going to happen. And so when they return, Ruth goes about the fields, beginning to glean from the fields. And God had set up the Israelite people to harvest their fields. But he said, when you harvest your fields and your workers drop grain down on the ground, don't stop to pick it up, leave it there. Let the widows and the homeless come behind you and gather those up so that they have a way to care for themselves. And I think it's an important thing for us to note in this moment that God knew the problems that his people were going to face before they even faced them. And he came up with a solution to their problems before they even faced them. That's how much our God cares. That's how much attention he pays to what's happening in our lives. That's how much he loves us. And in this moment, Naomi and Ruth have a way to provide for themselves. It's a big deal. So Ruth doesn't just go about picking up grain out of the field. She's there sun up to sun down. When other people are taking breaks, she's staying out there. She's working harder than everybody else. And when the landowner, Boaz, comes to check on his field and the progress of the work, he notices the work that Ruth is doing out in the field. And he begins to ask people about who this person is and who she belongs to and what family is she part of. And when Ruth gets home that night, she's telling Naomi about everything that's happened in this guy named Boaz, and Naomi gets excited. And there's a reason why Naomi gets excited, because Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. Now, this is another law that God had put into place, another practice for the Israelite people that God had put into place to care for widowed women. See, the kinsman redeemer was the closest male relative that could marry a widowed woman within the family. And in this process, he would gain a wife and potentially any children that she had or servants and land, right? It would be a way to maybe expand his workforce, expand his property. He could maybe gain some more money in this process. But if the kinsman redeemer is already stretched too thin, it may not be such a great deal. So the kinsman redeemer could say yes, or he could say no. And in the process of figuring everything out, they find out that Boaz is not number one in line. He's number two in line as a kinsman redeemer. So the first kinsman redeemer needs to say no for Ruth and Boaz to marry. And so Naomi walks Ruth through the process of what this all means and how it works and what she needs to do next. And so they go approach the first kinsman redeemer who says no. And Boaz gladly says yes. Ruth and Boaz get married. And we're going to stop with their story right here. We're going to pick up their story more here at the end. But we see a brighter future beginning to happen for Ruth in this story. She's been faithful. She's been following. She's been doing what she's been told and doing what she's been asked to do. We see that she's beginning to see the blessings that come from that. So the first image I want us to look at this morning is pop quiz. If you go back to school, you remember studying a subject and all of a sudden the teacher just says, hey, today we're having a pop quiz, a test that you weren't prepared for. Yay, right? And there was much rejoicing. Everybody groaned except for that one kid in class who's been studying and waiting for this moment all semester, right? And I always feared tests on a regular basis because I had test anxiety. Like if you were to talk to me about what we were studying in class, I could carry on the conversation and we could talk about things. But as soon as they put it down on a piece of paper and gave me a time limit, it would all just go out of my head and I would just lose it, right? 
That was my school experience. And I tried lots of different ways to prepare for tests, right? Underprepare, overprepare, try to relax, sleep more, sleep less, try to do all these different ways to help myself prepare for that test in a way that would make me successful. And honestly, none of it, none of it ever really worked. But in life, we face pop quizzes, not like a test where we have to fill in the blanks and do all that other stuff, where we actually are faced with tough times, hard decisions, tough circumstances, things that we don't want to have to go through. Those are the pop quizzes we face in our life. And we have to be prepared for those things. And I think there's a couple of important pieces that we need to be doing in our lives to prepare for those things. First off, when a pop quiz happens, when those tough times comes, when a hardship comes, the very first thing we do, right, we go to our knees and we pray, God help me, right? I'm not sure what I need to do next. Help guide me through this. Show me your wisdom. Show me your path. And that's important, but I think it's also important for us to have that habit in our lives well before that pop quiz comes, right? Then make that a daily part of our lives. Make it something that's happening multiple times throughout our day, throughout our life, so that when those pop quizzes come, we're better prepared to handle the situation. We've already got that direct connection with God. It's a natural thing for us to go back to him and to hear from him and to know what to do next. I think another important piece is studying the Bible, reading God's word, because it's full of stories exactly like the one we heard today of people who went through hardships, who went through hard times, who overcame the odds because God was on their side. We see how God provided for them and how God cared for them and how God laid out the plan ahead of time so that when they came to that spot, they would see success through him. And when we study the Bible, we see those things. And when we hit those hardships, we know that we have a God who loves us, who cares for us, who's already thought out everything that needs to happen in that moment if we just trust him and give him our hardships. And even though it's not specifically in the story, I would say Naomi was aware of the promises that God had for her. She knew that when life got tough in Moab, she knew that she could go back home. She knew that she would have a family that would be there to care for her. She knew that there would be a chance that there would be a kinsman redeemer that would give them a better future, a brighter hope, a better hope for the future. She was aware of the promises that God had made, and she was willing to go do that and trust in God. She was prepared for the pop quizzes that happened in her life, and she faced a lot, the death of her sons, the death of her husband, famine, loss. But yet each and every one of those, she relied on God in this story. The next image I want us to look at this morning is travel agents and tour guides. And there's a big difference between travel agents and tour guides. <clears throat> travel agents help us plan a trip, right? They're going to help book your flights or book your cruise. They're going to tell you what hotels to stay in. They're going to tell you what restaurants to go to. They're going to help you with a lot of the planning, but they're not going to go with you, right? So if you get to your destination and you get lost, and you can call them, chances are they're not going to be much help if they even answer the call at all, right? That travel agent, that's not their job. They're not being paid to do that. So you're going to find yourself in a tough situation, uncertain of what to do next, and they're not going to be available. The other image is the tour guide, right? Whenever I think of a tour guide, I think of a jungle like 
safari or like an African safari where they're out and the, you get to see all these cool animals out in, the, in their habitat, right? But the tour guide's been there enough and he's done it enough to know the body language and the, and the patterns of the animals. And so he can tell you when it's safe to maybe get out of the vehicle or when you should maybe find shelter and what to do in those moments, right? When things get a little hairy. And that's the big difference between a tour guide and a travel agent. That tour guide has been there. They've done that. They've experienced a lot of things. They've answered a lot of questions. And when you're going through that process, they're there to help make sure that you have a good time. They're going to keep you safe. They're going to give you the knowledge and the advice that you need to make the best of that trip. And in our lives, I'm sure we've been able to look back on some of the hardships we've faced and some of the things that we've experienced in life. And we've seen where travel agents led us to that spot. And when we got to that spot, they were nowhere to be found. I would say rarely have we found ourselves in a tough spot where we were there with a tour guide. Most of the time, the tour guides are the people helping us guide us out of those situations and circumstances. And in this story, we see how Naomi is a tour guide for Ruth. She's there to help guide her through what gleaning in the fields looks like, what a kinsman redeemer is and what we need to do and how that all works. All this stuff probably would have been foreign to Ruth. This is not something that her people were accustomed to doing. So why are you doing this? Why is this here? This, this is not what we would do. But Naomi's there to guide her through that, to walk her through the processes, to walk alongside her. And in our lives, who surrounds you? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Travel agents or tour guides? You have people who are going to help move you through life, move you through those tough times. They're going to point you back to God to keep you focused on God, to reassure you of the promises that God has for you in your life. And maybe the tougher question is, who are you? Are you a travel agent or are you a tour guide? Are you just saying you're going to help? You have the ability to help, but you're just going to say you're going to help and not do much past that. Or are you going to be there shoulder to shoulder with somebody, helping them through those experiences that they're facing? You're aware of the things that you face, the hardships that you face in life. And you may be aware of some people who are facing those same hardships in your life, in their life right now that you've gone through. And this would be a great time for you to maybe think about becoming a tour guide for those people, to find a way to help them. Because as brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what we're called to do, to help each other out, to be there, to carry each other's burdens, to be tour guides for one another. Our last image today is three buckets. Now, in life, generally speaking, we can put most of everything that we've experienced into three different buckets, and we'll talk about those buckets here in a minute. But the very first things we should always look to in life when we're facing hardships is prayer, scripture, and those tour guides. Those are the first places we're going, right? But that first bucket is what is in our control. What, am I, what I am experiencing right now, what of this is in my control? What of this can I control? can I take control of and change? Am I here because of my lack of preparation? Am I here because of some choices I've made, right? Is there something I can do to change the outcome? I've listened, I've gone to God in prayer, I've read scripture, I've gone to my tour guide, and now I know what actions I need to take to move forward. The second bucket, and this is the toughest bucket, is what is outside of my control. And the reason it's the toughest bucket is because we all like to have control. We all like to be in charge. We all like to say, this is what's happening in my life and I'm going to make sure it happens. But there are times when other people have made choices 
And those choices have a ripple effect in our own life. And now we're sitting in a situation that we did not plan on being in and we've got to figure out what to do next. And with the second bucket comes trust. That's the biggest part of the second bucket is trust. Trusting the people around us, trusting our tour guides, trusting God, trusting the process. And then the third bucket is what is within my influence. I may not be able to control the situation. And a lot of times this third bucket comes into place, play when we put something in that second bucket, right? How can I influence the situation? How can I help others guide me through this process? And in this story, we see Ruth and, or we see Naomi put a lot of things in that first bucket. When there's a famine in Bethlehem, where does she go? She takes control of the situation and says, what's best for my husband and my family is for us to move to Moab. And when there's a famine there and she's no longer has a husband and there were sons and she says, what do I need to do to make life better? And she takes control of the situation and moves back to Bethlehem. Ruth takes control of her situation and going back with her mother-in-law to Bethlehem. We see how they took actions and took control of their situation. But we also see where they placed things in the second bucket and they trusted, right? Naomi, Naomi had to trust that there would be family there to care for her. She had to trust God's provisions in her life. That all the things that she knew to be true would actually happen that she knew that she could find a way to provide for her and Naomi, that there would be a kinsman redeemer. She had to trust in those things. Ruth had to trust in her mother-in-law, Naomi. That would have been a hard thing. But I think, and we don't see this really in the story, but I, I think it's there, is when we see Ruth trusting Naomi. I, I think that has to come with the way Naomi handled the past disappointments in her life. We would, Ruth would have seen how Naomi handled those things and says, when, she's go, when she says, I'm going to Bethlehem, Ruth knew that she could trust Naomi with that situation, with that stage in life, with that big choice. And in the story, we also see that third bucket, what's within our influence, right? If Naomi plays the victim, if she's bitter and she's angry and she's mad at people and she keeps people at a distance because she's lost her husband, she's living in a foreign land, she's lost her son's things, are not going well in her life and she treats everybody that way. She's not gonna influence people. Ruth is not gonna come along with her on that journey. Ruth is gonna stay home and go back with family, right? Naomi's attitude influenced Ruth and the people around her. Ruth is in a tough situation in a foreign land doing things that maybe didn't make sense to her. She's out in the field gleaning, but it's her attitude her work ethic, how she went about life that influenced the people around her. It influenced Boaz to notice her, to inquire about her, to see what's going on. And when we're in tough situations in life, when we've consulted our tour guides and we've gone to scripture, we've gone to the Bible, we, it's our attitude, right? Our attitude's gonna make that difference in those situations. So let's finish up their story. Let's see how Naomi and Ruth's story ends. And the best part of their story is they have no idea how big their story actually becomes. You see, Boaz and Ruth, they get married and they have a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. Jesse has a son named David. 
David becomes the second king in Israel. And David is described as a man after God's own heart. God found favor in David in the way that he ruled the Israelite people, in the way that David followed God loyally. And so God made a promise to David, someday the Messiah is going to come from your family, the Savior of us all, the one who's going to forgive sins. He's going to conquer the world. He's going to come from your family, right? That's a huge promise. Ruth and Naomi would have never known that they were part of that family. They would have never known that they were part of that history. But they would have never known that their faithfulness and their trust, their influence played such a huge part in all of this. But we get the benefit of history and looking back and seeing that and seeing how their faithfulness has blessed the world. Then and now. And I think the same thing is true for us. When we face hard times, when we're stuck in these situations, we're not sure what to do, but we trust God. We trust that he's going to care for us, that he loves us. We listen to our tour guides and we're doing everything we can, whether it's in our control or out of our control. We may not see the end result or how big our influences reaches or how far things stretch out from us. We may never see that, but I promise you it's there. The impact of our hardships and the things that we face in life are far greater than we ever know or realize. So it's a challenge for us to give those things to God in those moments, to go to him in prayer, to study the Bible and so that when we face those hardships, we know exactly who went through something similar to what we're going through and we can see how God worked in their lives and how they were faithful to him. And we can learn those lessons and start applying them to our lives so that when we face those hardships, we're ready to go. If we've surrounded ourselves with tour guides and people who are gonna help us through those processes, we need to be doing those things. And if you don't have those tour guides, we've got a room full of them. Look for people, ask, share your stories with one another. Find the ways that you're similar so you can begin to help each other out. So this morning, we're going to offer a time of invitation. If there's something you need to, to give up to God, come forward and ask for prayer. That's, that's fine. Come forward and do that. But if you're looking to maybe give him your life, to submit your life to him so that your sins can be forgiven, so that you can walk in that new life, we ask that you come forward as we sing.